The birth of Jesus is, of course, honored and celebrated in the Christmas season in many ways, and among family favorites are timeless tales shared in children's books. There seems to be countless ways to weave the Christmas tale from the narrative of the Nativity. But what happened after he was born? What came next? I'm Sheila Lagminas, and you're in the Forum. Across the world, nativity scenes, crushes, come out again to take a place of honor in homes and many public places. Storybooks of that first Christmas delight children again and again, and they should enliven imaginations and become lifelong treasures to share with the next generation and the next. But how many stories are told of what came after the nativity? Where did the Holy Family go next and why? That's the inspiration for a lovely new book for the child and all of us. And the author is here to explain why this setting and what we can learn from it. Raymond Arroyo is a New York Times bestselling author, producer, and host and managing editor of The World Over Live on EWTN. He's the biographer of Mother Angelica and the author of a very spirited children's book series on the adventures of Will Wilder. I love that series. It's part of an initiative called Storiented, an effort to get children reading more. His new book, Just Out, gives them the perfect chance. The title is The Spider Who Saved Christmas, A Legend. Raymond, a delight to talk with you again. Hey, Sheila. So happy to be back with you. Thank you for, for taking the time. Thank you for writing this. Raymond, I want people to know who aren't yet looking at the cover and they can see it at the link I'm, I'm posting online. Sure. That it is gorgeous. It's, it's gorgeously illustrated. It's elegant. It draws you in just from looking at it. Mm-hmm. And um, so, Raymond, when I first heard the title before I knew a thing about the book, saw anything about it, my first question was going to be, Raymond, why a spider? But then I thought, <laughs> you know, because I'm, I'm thinking the nativity scene, right? The manger, the stable and all of that. And why of all the animals, why a spider? I know. I know. Well, and then it, I read it, it. it. Yeah, it's because it's, it's a legend. I, I, you know, I came across this story. I was actually researching something for the Will Wilder book. And I dug out one of these big old, you know, 1898 Bible commentaries I have. And in a footnote beneath the nativity uh, gospel, there was just a little line. And it says, there is a legend about the Holy Family encountering a spider and how that spider preserved them from harm. That's all it said. So I then was intrigued by that. I made a note. I kept doing my research. I wrote my next Will Wilder book. And then I went back. And when I started digging around, I realized there was this ancient legend that goes back to the second century. It became very popular in Europe and Eastern Europe, particularly. And though the story vanished, as stories are wont to do at times, Mm -hmm. remnants of the story, the traditions that our reflections of that story are still with us. Indeed, the reason we hang tinsel on Christmas trees, that sparkly, glittery tinsel, Mm -hmm. is an homage to this story Mm -hmm. and the spider who saved Christmas. And so I thought, this is a great way to explain to kids an old tradition, something we take for granted. But more than that, it's a neat way into the nativity story we thought we knew 
and these people and figures that we take for granted every Christmas. So uh, that was sort of my, you know, my inspiration for doing the project. And then, as you said, finding the right illustrator took, we burned through three illustrators, uh, (laughs) Sheila, which is my pattern, no matter where I go, I think. Will Wilder, we had a similar problem. Um, I have a very particular visual sense. I guess it's because of the uh, the TV thing and, mm-hmm. and, and my theater background, I'm, I'm very sensitive to the way things are presented and staged and fonts and all of that. Um, and uh, this man, Randy Galagos, who he did the illustrations here, they're all hand-painted oils. Um, mm-hmm. They're beautiful spreads. Mm-hmm. And he really, ca- he has a supernatural sensibility around the edges of his work that I liked. He'd done a lot of fantasy covers and sci-fi covers, but uh, he obviously understands this genre. And, uh, and he was the perfect illustrator. So it was, the, and it's the first project I've art directed from top to bottom. So that was kind oh, of neat. Well, see, that, that is, you see, your theater background does come into play very much with that. And I'm not the least bit surprised knowing you and your background that you have that sensitivity and go through different illustrators and artists until you find the right one, because you know what is called for. You just have that vision in your mind's eye, if you will, in the imagination. Mm-hmm. So speaking of the imagination, Raymond, this just enlivens, again, as I said in the open, the child in all of us. But the beauty is when parents, grandparents, teachers, uh, or older children or whoever read this book with or to younger children, it's really for the child in all of us. And I, and, and I learned, Raymond, growing up as a young girl when my dad would do all the tin, I did it with him, but he insisted on lots and lots of tinsel on the tree. And we just <laughs> lit it up with sparkle because of everything, the lights and the bulbs and the ornaments, but the tinsel had to cap it all off. Mm-hmm. And now reading your book, I know why. Yeah. And so yeah. let's talk about, how do you pronounce it? Nephila? Nephila. Yes, Nephila, which is the name of my spider. But for a reason. Can you want to explain why Nephila? Well, well Nephila, you know, when you're dealing with a very spare tale, which I which this was. Mm-hmm. This spider legend is very spare. There were not a lot of extraneous details. So no. I had to go in and kind of imagine the edges and blow the story out a little bit and deepen the characters. So it gave me a chance to really meditate and think about and imagine what this family, this holy family is going through at this moment. I mean, they're on the run for their lives. Um, They are looking for help. Uh, They're hiding for their lives. And in many ways, Sheila, and this is how, you know, at times the story talks back to you after you finish it and you find out why you wrote it and what the lessons are for you as an mm-hmm. author, not only as a reader. Um, a year and a half later, looking back at this story, I now see why it's resonating with people and why, you know, it sat on the New York Times list for three weeks. It's because I think families are craving something traditional. Right. They want something that, that, that uplifts us and inspires us a little bit. And yet, like this family, we're all hiding in our caves. We're worried about sudden death at the door. And we're mm-hmm. trying to protect our loved ones, this peculiar, bizarre year that we've lived through. So we can relate. And the real story here, the heart of the story is, if you have the eyes for it and you keep looking, there is hope even in those darkest of circumstances. God doesn't abandon us. And at times, he uses very simple things, even things we fear, to our benefit and to help mm-hmm. us. And that's what the story, Spider Who Saved Christmas is really all about. Um, but Nephila, I, I named her Nephila because that is the name 
of the breed uh, that she is. She's, that's a Latin name of, of golden orb weavers, which is the uh, particular species of spider that she is. And I later found out Nephila is related distantly to Charlotte, uh, of the famous Charlotte's Web. She oh, was an orb weaver, not a golden orb weaver, but uh, an orb weaver. Uh, so they're the same breed, slightly different species. But uh, the, the thing about the golden orb weavers, they weave this very rare yellow silk. And um, it, it, it's very sought after, particularly, you know, in the Middle Ages. Uh, the, the, there's, there's furniture upholstered in it and clothing made out of this golden web, this silk. Wow. Um, so I thought if the Christ child's going to encounter a spider, it better be <laughs> the one who spins the rarest of silks so that that was my choice and in the golden webs because that's fitting yeah. for a king well so right? t so tell people because you've alluded to that that the holy family is on the run as you know in this in this covid year we're shut in and many people mm -hmm. are afraid of what might come through their door the, the holy family whatever you want to tell and i don't want to give anything away yeah. myself in my questions but that they, this this is not the again the manger scene this is not bethlehem this is now they are on the run because we all who know our bible stories know that joseph was told in a dream by an angel to take the holy family and flee because mm -hmm. Herod had put out the order to kill all the baby boys. And so they are on their way. And that's why you have them in a cave where they encounter Nephila, the spider. I just love how you render all of them, Joseph, Mary, and and in even the illusions the spider makes, Nephila makes to the baby. And yeah. and just beautiful and how Joseph, the protector that we know him to be, you know, sees the spider and his first instinct is, ooh, protect from the spider, right? right? Really? And I Did love you, the, yeah. the theme, Raymond, that you have in here to all the way to the end, if I may say that, that no, Joseph, all are here for a reason. Yeah, Mary, Mary tells him that he, he strikes the web with his staff and then he tries to kill the spider and she stops him, the, the blessed mother stops him and says, no, no, all are here for a reason, let it be. And uh, there are also interesting reflections between Nephila, who's the mother of these spiders that are about to be born, and the, the, the Virgin Mary and her baby who's just been born. Um, and the, the anxiousness of a mother, the protectiveness of a mother, um, and, and how God uses all these little things. Mm -hmm. And uh, that ended up being the spine of the story. All are here for a reason. And I think it's an important lesson for all of us that no matter who we are, no matter how ignored we feel or, or, or how people treat us, we all have a role to play. And at times it might be bigger than anything anyone else expected. And in this story, this spider does what only she can do in just the right time. Um, and I don't want to give away the story, but no. she ends up protecting this family and she does save Christmas. And I love that you're broadening the Christmas canon a little bit because let's face it, uh, I worry every year because I think Mary Joseph and the baby Jesus end up turning into Fontanini figures, you know, that we see in a, in a blaze as we run out the door to Macy's or to grab the food for the big feast. And, and you kind of miss the humanity, the struggle. And look, all of us are not going to have angels floating above our house or, you know, kings coming over for a visit. But we are all going to be anxious and worried and filled with tension and concerned about the welfare of those we love. And that's 
where this family is at that moment. And that too is a part of Christmas. Um, you know, the tensions and worries don't fly because it's the Christmas season. They're with us as part of our humanity. So I love that it's an opportunity. I've gotten beautiful letters from parents and grandparents sharing mm -hmm. it with kids. It allows young people to ask the right questions about Christmas and these figures we take for granted. So Nafila the spider gives them an interesting way into really profound questions about Christmas and God's movement in our lives um, and, and our role and our place in the world. So uh, for a picture book to do that, I'm, you know, I, I was thrilled when it was, you know, when it finally all came together in a rush but uh, it, it, it's what it's what you know it's what I wanted to do with it, and I think it's what a, any children's literature should do. It should interest and attract multi generations, and it should provoke a conversation deeper than just the story on the surface. And this one does. But Raymond, absolutely, on every page there's something that that the parents, grandparents, the family involved, engaged in this this beauty beauty of the book and the story in it can find on every page that should generate questions and and or you know provoke you know ask the child what do you think you know Joseph is thinking of course he's there to save the family right protect mm -hmm. the family and he's so gentle and he's so tender and so is Mary and all are here for a reason you, there's a whole lot to say about that yeah. and the fact that they're on the run in fear you know for their lives well here we are in our cultural um milieu at this point in time we know where we're heading with the uh, roll up our sleeves we have a lot to do as christians mm -hmm. we're not on the run we don't have a mandate to head for the hills and this holy family certainly did uh to protect the christ child from herod and his men but th this this does produce that in the, the mind again the mind of the child in the mind of of the adults and now the family conversation especially in this year raymond so yeah. on, on that note uh, of the literacy the in in reading to children with children and maybe the older children could be reading the story for the family to talk about you and i have long talked about going back with your will wilder series and story oriented and so forth remind everyone again around you know the importance of childhood literacy and mm -hmm. by what age that is so important to have in place well you, the earlier the better and i think you know look you want to you want to share stories with your young people um because stories are preserved wisdom i mean they really do teach us how to live and the reason going back to tribal times when you know we we barely had we had no written words we only had spoken language mm -hmm. um we were telling these stories and passing them along because they taught us something we needed to know to survive every story is at its essence a survival guide um so it's important for us i think to share that with children in this case this is a legend and people say oh legends oh you know you kind of brush them off but I love the Tolkien, you know, Tolkien used to mm -hmm. say uh, legends and myths are largely made of truth. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's so essential because many times you can squeeze into a legend or a piece of fiction, something you couldn't do in a true story. Yeah. You know, you can reveal and tease out lessons and moral lessons that we need. Um, so I think the earlier you start reading to children, the better the board books, the picture books, and, and then later family reads, chapter books, because it's, it's your way to implant 
your values, your worldview onto your children and allow their worldview to implant on you and, and cover you mm -hmm. as well. In that conversation, you're not only forming an imagination, you're forming a person and the future. So I think the earlier, the better. And if you don't, by about third grade, things are set. And it's very difficult after that point to get a child interested in reading. And literacy usually goes off the tracks if you don't haven't started the process by then. Doesn't oh. mean always, but the, the statistics tell us that. It's so important that we have children reading and read to them and read with them. I, you know, there are so many of us, you and I, and so many of our friends, you know, with the saying, so many books, so little time. But right. there are some I, I like to feature that are just musts. I can't encourage people enough to get certain ones. And this is one of them, Raymond. This is one that should be handed down when a child has it now and is read to it's a gift now maybe inscribed by their parent or grandparent it, they can grow up with this keep it and then when they get married and have children then it becomes their something they read to their children i think this is something to save for the ages because it's again not the nativity story which is wonderful in all of the ways it's told mm -hmm. but this is what comes next when the holy family is fleeing to egypt being told by the angel well, and, and i it, think the kids are over you know we yeah. oversaturated them with the <sighs> the you know the nativity tropes i call them it's not really the nativity story but it's the animals bowing down and the three kings come and mary and joseph looking down at the shiny baby in the in the you know feeding trough and that image kind of what happens is when you oversaturate and you keep talking about the same thing too often it inures us to it we become numb to the the reality of that mm -hmm. and i i worried about this entire moment, the nativity, God made man, becoming almost, people taking it for granted. It, oh yeah, that's the Christmas card. Oh yeah, that's that special I see sometimes when I'm flipping around the television. But I wanted to re-imbue the humanity and the tension and the anxiety of this family into the story, which I think has been lacking. Um, I had a really nice review on Amazon from Anne Rice, of all people, uh, who said mm -hmm. she loved the way St. Joseph was depicted here. Mm -hmm. That, mm -hmm. you know, he's normally the, you know, standing in the background, the potted right. plant holding a lily, you know. He wasn't that. He was a, he was a, a tough guy. He was a, a, a carpenter and a defender and protector, a, a tender man, an understanding man, um, but, but a man. And in these picture books, I love that we're able to show um, a little bit of the personality that I think gets leached away in the retelling of some of these stories. I, I love, Raymond, that on the page I have open right now, it, he, it's literally the woman cradling the babe in her mantle reclined beneath Nephila's silken canopy, just so, you know, inside the cave. The man yeah. with kind eyes lifted his lantern, staring into the darkness outside the cave. So that's Joseph, who mm -hmm. truly, by this wonderful illustrator you worked with, truly renders Joseph with kind eyes, with the lantern looking out at whatever danger might be out there to protect his family from that danger. So mm -hmm. it's not that many, it's not very many pages. It can be read 
in a short amount of time, but please, people don't rush through it. Please get this. Please share it with others. But, oh, Raymond, it's just so beautifully done. The man Thank with you. kind eyes. You yeah. can imagine his voice is gentle, but also firm. He is a manly man ready to protect his family. But oh, I, I love, love that. Yeah, he, yeah, he's got the, uh, I won't ruin it, but, you know, <laughs> the, the, they, but he's, he's the protector here, clearly, mm -hmm. um, and the leader of the family. Um, and mm -hmm. I, I, we wanted to show him that way. He's not a kind of broken down old guy. Sometimes they depict him as very old. I, I'm, I'm not so sure of that. I mean, he was older than her, but she was, mm -hmm. you know, 14. So yeah, you know, older you. than, older than her is like 30. So he's still a virile young guy. He's not a, yeah, you know, he's not a broken down old man. So I, I, I wanted to show that, um, and I, I love their relationship. It, it just allowed mm -hmm. me to get touches of that relationship in and their dynamic as a husband and wife, um, and 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 yet protecting this this gift to all of us. So when I say it's the spider who saved Christmas, that's true. People say, "Well, it, she, did she really save Christmas?" Well, yeah, she saved the, the, Jesus Christ and Mary, and 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 everything that came afterward. Yeah, mm -hmm. we wouldn't have Christmas, Christ's Mass, right. on this day, and this commemoration if Herod's will had had prevailed, mm -hmm. and he'd been killed by these soldiers. So, in my telling. And in this old legend, which has great lessons for us. And it's, um, I just think it's an interesting way in for children. And I've seen it. I've done a bunch of readings. I just did one for Fox mm -hmm. Nation with children. And they're, they're, it's fascinating the things they see. Um, and my spider doesn't talk. I, I, I didn't want to have a talking animal in the middle of it. So <laughs> that was a bit of a challenge. But she has her own personality. We get in her mm -hmm. head a little bit. But mm -hmm. um, she, at one point, she calls her children out of the, the cave and she plucks on, on the web. Now that is a scientific fact because I did a lot of research on this breed and on all spiders. They don't have ears. So for years, um, science was perplexed. How do they communicate? Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out spiders communicate by vibrating their webs. Oh, wow. So they do pluck, they have little legs in the back of their bodies and they pluck on the webs and that's how they communicate. So mm -hmm. here when she's playing that little music, she's actually um, scientifically communicating as a spider actually does. So that's and, nothing and I she's made calling, up. as you say, she's calling her other children. I mean, there's like, I don't know if it's an army of them, but there yeah. are so many <laughs> of them. She's calling them out and for a purpose and for a noble purpose. Yes. So a couple of things on that while I still have you, Raymond, a couple of things on that. One of them is that, is that this is truly authentic. You've done a great deal of research into why not only a spider, but this spider and this breed and this, this gold weaving web uh, kind of spider, the orbit these spiders weave, it's just beautiful with, and then as you say, made mm -hmm. into things, made into garments, made into, right. uh, you know, woven into uh, upholstery. It's, it's that beautiful, but how they communicated and for that purpose. And you said earlier, and this is a point I wanted to come back to, that God gives us those, it's the eyes to see. So it's Mary saying, all are here for a reason. Let it be. Well, that, that takes us back to the, the question for you or just the thought with you that 
if we open our eyes to that, as again, to allude back to the 2020 COVID year, this crazy uh, mm-hmm. once in a lifetime year with so much happening and then the election divide and the you know, mob violence and riots and there's just so much. When, when you look at it, this is indeed a time of both crisis and opportunity. And we sure. Christians always have to be open to the opportunity that is in crisis. And so I think your book also helps us see a family inside sheltering in place, as we're told mm-hmm. to do, uh, but finding so much in that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have to. You have to. You can't give up hope and you can't um, collapse into your anxiety and fear. And that in the background is what this story is about, too. Um, and, and the wonder, you know, the unexpected miracles mm-hmm. on the other side of, you know, a, a stubborn hope and a stubborn faith. Um, that's what this points to. And I love that children understand that. They sort of get it. Um, and I, 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 this, you know, picture books are a very interesting way to communicate because though in many ways, some of the themes are really adult, it's a children's story. It's really an adult story wrapped in a children's, you know, wrapping um, because there's a lot going on here. But it's interesting how kids want to see deeper and they, they intuit things from the illustrations and the way the story goes. They pick up on a lot. Um, and I think they're important questions to ask. It's important. And it, it imbues the whole nativity scene and the figures of the nativity onward with reality. And I thought that's critical. We can't lean into the kind of fairy tale. Oh, this is another nice fable. It's like Hansel and Gretel or Snow White. And here's Mary and Joseph. There's a danger in going down that road um, mm-hmm. because it all becomes uh, written off as, as kind of a fable. And that's not who these people are or what this is. Oh, so, speaking of who they are, sorry. Uh, John Paul II wrote The Guardian of the Redeemer, which is all about Joseph. Right. So, I mean, to, to, we need to know Joseph better, as you say, instead of the statue standing there holding a lily. You know, yeah. Joseph does, Joseph doesn't speak in the Bible, but there'll be people who I've had on my, my program who've written whole books and rather thick ones about Joseph. So I would always start <laughs> out, you know, for fun. Well, so how did you write a whole book about Joseph when he doesn't say anything in the Bible? Well, there's so much there. But um, so just to tell... <laughs> Again, the spider in the cave, cave dwelling spider plays a pivotal role, central to the Christmas story. Yeah. And as the uh, as the materials with the book say, this is an instant classic, and it reveals the origin of Christmas tinsel on your trees out there in other countries too, Raymond. Just to tell people, and it reminds us that hope can always be found even in dark places where we least yeah. expect it, such as in that cave. So, on that note, Raymond, people who aren't Catholic who aren't Christian, who aren't even observing of any faith. That always interests me in how how people like that can be reached through stories like this. Well, look, I I didn't write this book for Catholic people. I didn't. I wrote this book for all audiences. And I would say half of my audience, and I've met some of them, you know, via Zoom or at bookstores um, or, or through letters, half of the audience are not particularly churched people. Um, but they're people who are fascinated by uh, a good story. They love Christmas and they want to understand. I think we all want to understand. So, you know, if you go to Eastern Europe, and I saw this myself, Sheila, and I didn't frankly know why years and years and years ago, I'm talking 20 years ago, I remember going to Poland and at Christmas time, and they would have these beautiful jeweled spiders 
on the trees, on the Christmas trees. Hmm. And I couldn't figure out, you know, I didn't know why. And when I asked, I was told a story about some poor woman who, you know, didn't have enough money to decorate her tree and a spider came and decorated the tree. That was one of the stories that was told to me. And then someone else alluded to, oh, well, there's an old legend about the Christ child in the spider. But I, it just went over my head. I didn't pay it any mm-hmm. attention. Well, this is that story. So it explains a lot of the, again, the, we have the relics and the remnants of this story all around us this time of year, but nobody ever took the time to say, well, why do we do this? What, why, why exactly are we doing this? I thought we put tinsel on a tree to evoke frost and, and uh, icicles. <laughs> That's what I figured. Um, I did too. But it's not the case. It's not the case, as it turns out. Good for you, Raymond Arroyo, to, to keep n- to note of that footnote you saw so long ago and put it on the side until you could get to it after some of your Will Wilder series were, were out and come back to that footnote you made, uh, that, that note you made about a footnote mm-hmm. about this spider, this particular breed of spider and in the golden orb uh, web it weaves and the importance that spider plays it, or probably did play just as it plays out in your book, The mm-hmm. Spider Who Saved Christmas. It's delightful and I've got links to how, where people can find it online. I love hearing that so many people already attracted to the book and you've heard from and interacted with are not churched people because that's just who we need to and want to reach in all the ways we can through the news you and I both do and through these these wonderfully creative things you you have turned out and Raymond your video about the Christmas time in New Orleans my gosh there's so much you do for us and thank you for that and God bless you and yours and if if, and Sheila if people want to see a preview of the book if they go to Mm -hmm. discoverlegends.com Okay. discoverlegends.com there's a there's a preview there and reviews and all kinds of neat stuff and it's oh. on you can get it on amazon barnes and noble it's everywhere books are sold and it's at my link and so yes. i'm posting that for people just to go straight there and go and as raymond said amazon.com barnes and noble other every place books are sold but i love that, that people can see you know a video or or go to christmas um so, uh, discoverylegends.com. Uh, I'll, I'll post that as well. Thank because, you. you know, as you said, the importance of legends is is incalculable sometimes. I think, you know, there's so much to, to legend. And yeah. uh, you've revived that for us. And this Christmas season is just absolutely perfect. Beautiful job. Delightful, Raymond. And delightful you, talking with you again. Well, have a wonderful Christmas and thank you, you for the time. Well. You as well. God bless you and yours. Thank you. What wonderful gifts we have in creative people and the expression of their deeply inspired works in words and art, or both in many cases. There's so much to be grateful for and hopeful about. It's incalculable. I'm grateful to spend this time with you and great guests. Please share the link with others and invite them to join us next time here in the forum.